Welcome to Wrestling With Theology. I am Pastor Doug Minton here with Pro Wrestling America this week. I'm going without the intro music because there's been uh, some issues with the difference in volume between my spoken part and the intro. So I'm going to try this. Just blanket out there. No intro music, no exit music. Just seeing how this works by itself. So we are looking at Pro Wrestling America this week, coming to you from the Sanford Pentagon in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. As we do with every card we look at, changes on the roster. Now, some of the changes coming through are I'm just dropping people because I am lowered my salary cap in order to just have fewer people so I'm not sitting with a bunch of guys who haven't had a match in like two months. But the mainstays are the ones I'll talk about incoming and leaving, which we do have a few more this week to open up the salary cap a little bit. The most shocking of them all is The Undertaker leaving. Reason given, I didn't put the title on him. I gave it to Lawler, and then I gave it to Austin. And who knows if I'd have plans to give it to The Undertaker in the near future, but he saw nothing there for him to hold on to. Also leaving are Kendall Wyndham, who came in two weeks ago. So, yeah, I'm not in for this. The dirty white boy Tony Anthony joining Rugged Rod Price, his former tag team partner, in leaving the PWA. And then also Captain Lou Albano, who had been manager of Youth in Action, as well as another tag team that I can't even remember right now. But coming in to help fill in some of the gaps and issues with the budding feud between Gen 3, the stable of third generation wrestlers, and the extreme horsemen led by Steve Carino. You have Jimmy Golden coming in as a third generation wrestler who will be joining Gen 3. He makes his intentions known towards the end of this card. But you also have Medusa Michelli coming in to join the extreme horsemen and Lacey Von Erich, the daughter of Carrie Von Erich, coming in to be on the women's side of Gen 3, joining in with uh, uh, Natty Neidhart. But then the guy I had hoped had, would eventually come in, because I have some great ideas for a feud for him, is Billy Gunn. Jesse James Armstrong is already on the roster. I thought, okay, these guys made an awesome tag team in my top five, definitely, all time. But what would a feud between these two guys have looked like? What would it have been had it been the Road Dog versus Billy Gunn? Hopefully we'll get to see what that might pan into. So those guys are coming in. So we start off the event tonight with a women's tag team match between Natty Neidhart and Lacey Von Erich with Flex Cavana in their corner against Medusa Michelli and Annie Social with Steve Carino in their corner. So over Halloween weekend, both women, both Natty Neidhart and Annie Social brought in reinforcements to help clear out the other woman. Their match on Halloween ended in a double disqualification because of interference by Medusa and Lacey. 
So I put all four women in the ring together in order to make sure there wasn't any outside interference. As I said, Medusa and Annie were accompanied to the ring by Carino. Natty and Lacey brought Flex out with them. Both men tried to stay out of the match, but it broke down rather quickly. Carino got himself involved as Lacey was tied up in the ropes. The referee called for the bell, giving Natty and Lacey the DQ win. Flex came to Lacey's rescue, but it boiled down into a brawl between the Extreme Horsemen and Gen 3. Security came down and broke it up after a few minutes. Many words were exchanged between the two stables. The American Tag Team Titles match later in the evening is looking to be quite a doozy. But you have Natty Neidhart and Lacey Von Erich winning the match by disqualification in 5 minutes 13 seconds. Then you have Billy Gunn making his PWA debut in a traditional squash match against Brett Wayne Sawyer. Sunshine came out to the ring with Billy Gunn as her newest acquisition. She was going to make a name for herself as the best valet manager in the PWA through the talent she would sign and represent. And Gunn gets the win in 4 minutes 21 seconds. Gunn went on to cut a promo against Sting and Eddie Gilbert, challenging the winner of tonight's main event to a title match on the next podcast. Buzz Sawyer then came out and cut a promo against Dutch Mantel. These two have been going at each other for most of PWA's existence. Mance Warner interrupts Buzz's promo, saying that he needs to be more worried about who he's facing tonight, being Mance. So as Mance makes his way to the ring from his interruption at the, at the entrance to the arena, Buzz goes on the offensive. The two battle for seven minutes before Mantell storms the ring and attacks Buzz. The referee calls for the bell. Mance comes to Buzz's rescue, but Dutch throws him out of the ring. Dutch rolls Buzz under the bottom rope, wraps his bull rope around Buzz's throat, and starts to hang him over the top rope. Brett comes down to make the save as Mance makes his way back into the ring. Dutch flees the ring, but he vows this isn't over. So you have Buzz winning the match by disqualification at 7 minutes 31 seconds. Jimmy Golden came out to cut a promo in his debut in the end in the PWA. He talked about how nothing has ever changed with Dirty Dutch Mantel, as had been seen in the previous match. He challenged Dutch to a match so that Golden could clean up the PWA of its dirty players. Dutch came out and quickly agreed, so the match was signed immediately to start. So Dutch and Golden brawled in and out of the ring, even getting the fans involved at some point. We might consider not allowing alcoholic beverages in the ringside area. The fans just don't get to drink them. Golden gained the advantage in the match by spitting beer into Dutch's eyes and slamming his head into the ring post. Golden rolled Dutch into the ring and finished him off with a pile driver in the middle of the ring for the pin in 7 minutes 52 seconds. Doug Gilbert then appeared in the backstage interview area by himself. The interviewer asked about Heenan's absence, that nobody had seen Heenan all day. Doug said that Heenan was having car trouble, but that didn't matter to the rest of the world. Doug would be able to put away Brickhouse Brown without Heenan's guidance, just as he had done to Iceman. He didn't need any help defeating jabronis like them, and then he walked off. A moment later, the same interviewer caught up with Brickhouse as he prepared for his television title shot. Brickhouse explained that Doug's defeat of Iceman was the most scandalous match in PWA history. Brickhouse vowed to restore honor to the television title by taking it away from Doug with a quick 
clean victory. He referenced that Iceman might come back if Doug weren't champion and walked off, leaving the interviewer mystified by the statement. So then we get to the television title match. Dangerous Doug Gilbert defending the title against Brickhouse Brown. Doug and Brickhouse tore into each other early on in the match. Doug had the advantage early, but Brickhouse was able to capitalize on a few moments of distraction. Doug seemed to be rather lost without Heenan in his corner. Brickhouse dominated the last five minutes of the match, getting the pinfall after a bridging back suplex at 1335 to become the new television champion. Then we go into the second biggest feud right now in the PWA, that being Mr. Electricity Steve Regal against Gentleman Chris Adams. Regal and Adams fought a traditional 30-minute Broadway, wrestling slang for a time limit draw. Both of them tried to gain an advantage over the other, but they weren't able to get the victory. When the time limit expired, they were still trying to find a way to win the match. Neither was very satisfied with the ending. After the match, Regal grabbed the microphone and challenged Adams to a Loser Leaves PWA match on the 25th at the Fargo Dome. Adams readily accepted. There will still be matches between these two on the house cards leading up to that match in two weeks. But that match will be interesting, as well as the lineup going into it uh, will be interesting to book and draw out. And I encourage you to look at the website, click on the Pro Wrestling America link, and look down at the house shows as they come up and see just how that will transpire over the next couple of weeks. Then we have the American Tag Team title match, the second of the three title matches on the card today. The Extreme Horsemen defending against Gen 3. Carino and Credible came out to represent the Horsemen, but had the other three members in their corner. Flex and Chavo represented Gen 3. Natty and Lacey were in their corner. The match was well scripted so that Carino ended the match with a clean pinfall victory over Chavo. None of the normal extreme horseman antics. After the match, though, a brawl broke out as Axel climbed into the ring and began stomping on Chavo. All four women became involved in a brawl outside the ring. The horsemen had the advantage in numbers until Jimmy Golden came down to even the odds. The brawl ended as the horsemen spilled out of the ring. Axel and Credible grabbed Annie and Medusa, hauling them back up the aisle toward the dressing room. Flex, Chavo, and Golden stood in the middle of the ring with their arms raised, but the horsemen walked out with the belts. The horsemen winning the match, cleanly as I said, in a time of 11 minutes and 16 seconds. The interviewer, which eventually I'll, I'll name, but you know, caught up with Eddie Gilbert backstage, looking for a few words before his main event challenge for the American heavyweight title. It's an insightful promo as Gilbert vows to never challenge Sting for the title if he cannot win tonight. When the interviewer asks him about Heenan, Eddie grabs him by the collar and tells him never to question the brain or his whereabouts. Gilbert releases him and begins his walk to the ring. As a challenger, Eddie gets to the ring first. When Sting's music begins to play, he appears at the entryway with the microphone to make his own promo about Eddie's promises. Sting has been asking about Heenan all day, but no one has seen him anywhere. 
Sting accepts Eddie's stipulation that he will never challenge again for the title after tonight because Eddie has never been able to beat Sting without Heenan's help. Sting holds up the title as he walks to the ring, telling Eddie to take a good look at it because it's the last time he'll ever see it. Sting climbs onto the ring apron. Eddie rushes him, but Sting counters with a shoulder block. Sting slingshots himself into the ring, tumbles into a run into the opposite ropes, and nearly decapitates Eddie with a clothesline. The two brawl inside and outside the ring. The referee basically turns a blind eye to every rule infraction. Both men have many near falls during the first 40 minutes of the match. The tide turned to Eddie's favor for good when he moved out of the way of a stinger splash. Sting's head hit the ring post, cutting his forehead open. Eddie punches Sting's forehead a few times to further open the gash. Sting shoves him across the ring. Eddie hits the opposite turnbuckle chest first. While he's in the corner, Eddie digs into his tights and pulls out a chain. He wraps it around his fist as Sting goes into the corner. Sting whips him across the ring. Eddie jumps onto the middle turnbuckle and leaps back with a flying punch with the chain into Sting's forehead. Eddie hides the chain as he crawls over to cover Sting to get the pinfall, the victory, and the title belt. Eddie quickly leaves the ring as Doug comes down to congratulate him. The brothers celebrate in the aisle as Sting sits up, rubbing his forehead. Sting glares at Eddie as the brothers laugh at him. Eddie holds up the belt, but Sting, he notices, is not looking at him anymore, but looking up the entryway. The brothers turn around, and there is Heenan standing at the entryway, applauding. The camera dims out on the episode as with the brothers looking at their manager with a bit of irritation. Gilbert winning the match, becoming the new American heavyweight champion in a time of 45 minutes, 15 seconds. Why would I have Eddie win the, ma win the title and Doug lose the title? Why have both brothers holding titles unless they're the tag team titles? Which could be coming up because the Gilbert brothers are in the world tag title division and that's pretty f up for grabs as you got, okay, you got the Moondogs, but otherwise you've got the dangerous duo as the world tag team champions. You don't have the Electric Gentlemen anymore because they're feuding with each other and now getting ready for a loser leaves PWA match. And then you got the Gilbert Brothers. Could be a very good time to have them capitalize on everybody else trying to waylay each other so that they can swoop in for the title belts. But, again, that is one of the joys of professional wrestling, especially in the territorial days as I try to bring out in Pro Wrestling America, is that the feuds, the storylines, developed over months. It wasn't one of these like WWE or even WCW in its last couple of years where if it weren't if it weren't one of the major overarching storylines like the NWO or the Undertaker streak feuds lasted maybe 2 months 3 months and those were usually whoever was challenging the Undertaker to try to defeat the streak you would have them start a feud at the Royal Rumble to end it at WrestleMania but that'd be about 
I mean, you didn't have much else that you had in the way of storyline feuds going more than from one pay-per-view to the next. And that's one of the problems with modern, especially WWE wrestling, is that it changes so quickly. It's like, okay, we're tired of this one. Let's move on to the next one. And it could just be that, I don't know, WWE has what, like eight television shows, I think, between Raw, SmackDown, and all of the uh, WWE Network shows, NXT, you name it. There's just so much that, okay, it wears out quickly. But then again, they also have just an expansive roster, which, as I mentioned earlier, is one of the things I've cut down on in Pro Wrestling America because I thought the roster was too big. And to focus on the mainstays and the main people in there and cut out the ones, especially down in the television title division, that were... They're just as kind of almost filler for the roster. Not that they weren't good wrestlers. Not that they don't deserve to have, to be in there. Just, they're basically filler because I didn't find, I couldn't figure out ways to use them in matches other than just as squash matches. But that could be my own short-sightedness and not seeing more than just the use for 20 or 25 wrestlers. But, you know, that is my own saying. But that is Pro Wrestling America for this week. Next week, we are digging deeper as we get to the golden calf and what happens afterwards. So we'll be looking at Exodus chapters 32, 33, and 34 next week as we go into our next to last digging deeper on the book of Exodus. We'll hit chapter 40 in December to talk about the erection of the tabernacle and what happens there as they go from the building of the tabernacle into Leviticus and all the rest of the stuff that is given to Moses between chapters 19 and 24 to be then recorded out. But until then, this is Pastor Doug Newton wishing you God's richest blessings as you wrestle with theology this week. Amen. <laughs>